welcome to the Apex Church Podcast. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Be sure to check out our website at www.apexchurch.org.uk and let us know you've been listening. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Apex Church family and friends, what a joy it is to be with you this Sunday and to celebrate, of course, the Christmas season. It is my joy to be able to continue our Christmas series, Save Your King, as we recognize that God the Father sent Christ his Son to be born here of a woman on earth, that he came to save and to redeem all man from their sins. And what a joy it is to know that we belong to Jesus this morning. Well, on Thursday the 8th of September this year, little did I know as I made my way down to London that it was a historical day. It had been planned for a number of months that I would go and meet a friend as we celebrated our 60th birthdays together. He had arranged that afternoon that we would have a walk around Buckingham Palace and be able to just view what is going on there. It was an amazing scene. As I was walking around, I began to get text messages from family and friends saying that they had heard on the news that some of the royal family had been called up to Balmoral where the queen was, and there were even then rumors that she had passed away. I looked at the staff to see if there were any telltale signs, but, but nothing was given away, and it was only later on that evening that we discovered that, yes, indeed, the queen had passed away at the age of 96 after reigning for 70 years. Little did we know that in that moment, that as she passed from this life to the next, that immediately her son, Charles III, who was present at her passing, we understand, that in that moment, that Charles III, that was known as the Prince of Wales, that immediately on the death of his mother, he became our king. Now, we know that it's in May, I believe it's May the 6th, that actually his coronation will be. But the moment that his mother passed away, immediately he became the king. Now, I love the fact that as Christians, we belong to the kingdom of God. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we recognize that immediately we belong to the family of God. And we belong to the kingdom of God. Every kingdom has a king. And for us, we are reminded this Christmas season that our king is King Jesus. Indeed, he is our savior king. And I would love to look at a short scripture from the book of Luke that I think there are so many things that we can learn of what it means to belong to the kingdom of God. Do we have expectations? Do we value the kingdom? Do we recognize the kingdom that we belong to? Because as it's often said that we once walked according to the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of this age, but now we belong to Jesus. It's a different kingdom with a completely different set of values. And when we give our life to Christ, then things should change. Our our attitudes should change. Our behavior should change. and, And the way we approach life should change. Why? Because we belong to the kingdom of God. When you look at the teachings of Jesus Christ, especially in the Sermon of the Mount, you see there where he says the kingdom of God is like. 
He wanted his people, his disciples, you and I, those that belong, to understand what it meant and how we live when we're part of that incredible kingdom. Now, we read in Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 26, these incredible words. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Six months prior to this, the angel Gabriel had gone to Jerusalem, and there in the temple there was a man called Zechariah. He was old in age, and his wife Elizabeth was barren. And the angel Gabriel came and gave them good news. You're going to have a baby. The very same message that he came here to the small town town of Nazareth to a young teenage girl called Mary, you're going to have a baby. What's interesting is both were told the same good news, but the responses were slightly different. For Zechariah, it was a case of, wait a minute, I'm old, my wife has been barren all these years, I, I don't get it. Uh, it. He implied doubt. He, how, how can this happen or how can this be? Give me a sign that is going to take place. And because of that, the Bible says that he ended up silent. He was mute. There's a blessing a lot of the ladies would like right there for their husbands. But Mary, when she was confronted with the same good news, you're going to have a baby, she received a compassionate answer. You see, for Zechariah, there seemed to be doubt. How could this be? God, I'm too old. I've been waiting all these years. And yet, Zechariah, you've served God for so many years. You've seen his faithfulness that you should have been a man of faith, not a man of unbelief. At his stage in life, he should have responded differently. But Mary's response is slightly different. For Zechariah, it was, how do I know that this is right? Mary just simply said, how can this be? For Zechariah, there seems to be doubt. For Mary, it was more about the how. And here's a powerful lesson for us in this Christmas season when we belong to the kingdom of God. You see, 
it's okay to wonder how things are going to work out. It's, there's no problem with the how. The challenge is when we have doubt and unbelief. Just because, my friend, you don't understand the journey does not mean that we don't fix fast to the destination and the word of God and, and the promise of God. And remember this. This was an angel of the Lord. Zachariah was maybe going, I'm old. Gabriel could have gone, yeah, but I'm the angel of the Lord. I've been sent from heaven. I've been sent to you to bring this incredible message. And I think that when we belong to the kingdom of God, and we remember that Jesus Christ is our king, that we don't have to understand everything, but we put our complete trust in him. I don't understand how all things work together for my good, but I believe it and trust him. I don't fully understand when the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but I trust him. I don't fully understand when God says he's going to make a way out of no way, but I trust him. Why? Because we submit to the will of God. And for Mary, it was a great question. How, how can I be, be pregnant? Because she was a virgin. And generally, a pregnancy would mean that a man had to be involved. But here's another lesson that we learn about the kingdom of God. You see, God can perform his promise without the assistance of people that you and I think we need. Imagine this, God invites you and God invites me to be part of this great story. The story of the good news of Jesus Christ that has born again believers, that because we belong to his kingdom, that we go forward with a purpose and a plan according to his will. We think that we need other people perhaps to, to help us. To, we need people to make certain things happen. Oh, if I was connected to the right people at the, at the right time, then I could see the possibilities. This story reminds us that we may think that we need him or, or we need her, but in order to fulfill the promises of God, God is all we need. I've discovered over many, many years that there are so many Christians that their relationships are, are compromised. They attach themselves to certain people thinking that that will help them get ahead. Here's the word of the Lord for someone this morning. All you need is Jesus. Don't compromise. Don't attach yourself to people that don't have the same values of the kingdom of God. This Christmas season, as we think of the birth of our Lord and Savior, God loved you and I so much that he sent his son so that we could have that relationship, so that we could live a fulfilled life, putting our trust in him. I was reading recently about uh, an animal called a chameleon. Now, a chameleon have a, has a self-protective mechanism that most of you already know this. It can change color to blend into its environment. If, if everything around it is green, it can turn green. If it's brown, it can turn brown. The chameleon also changes its color to reflect its mood, to defend its territory, and to attract a mate. Hello. What the chameleon doesn't know, that because of all its blending in, there is a biochemical process of when it's changing colors that literally is taking days off its life. The chameleon thinks that by blending in, it's saving itself. It doesn't realize that at times it's detrimental to its well-being. 
And when you belong to the kingdom of God and Jesus is your king, there are intrinsic values which are ours, which belong to the kingdom of God. You don't need to blend into this world or the systems of this world or the age of this world. You don't need to compromise. All we need is God and full trust in him. And the word of the Lord comes to Mary. Mary, you don't need a Joseph. All you need is God. And this has never been seen before. And sometimes we put our trust in things that we've seen or seeing things that we have heard about. But God is not limited, my friend, to what you've seen or to what I've seen. Why? Because he is God. And there's a great danger, and we must understand. Don't let what you haven't experienced cause you to doubt what God is able to perform. Moses had never seen the Red Sea opened, but God opened the Red Sea. Joshua had never seen the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, but they did. Peter had never walked on water, but he did. And Daniel had never seen lions go on a fast when it was lunchtime, but amazingly, they did. And at some point in your life, at some point in my life, we'll have to trust God to do for us what we've never experienced before. Mary takes Gabriel at his word. She has great expectation. And all oh, this Christmas season, can there be an expectation in our heart that because we belong to the kingdom of God, because King Jesus rules and reigns, oh, can we by faith look forward to what he's about to do? Now, I want to share with you just very quickly and very simply three signs of expectation in the kingdom. When you're looking for God to do some great things, and we see this in this story and this context in the life of Mary. Number one, see this. Mary surrenders to God's plan. Gabriel simply says to her, you're going to have a baby. She asks the question, how can this be? She's told that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and overshadow her. Please notice from the scripture, Mary doesn't get into a long dialogue or ask multiple questions. Mary simply says these words, here I am. I am the Lord's servant. Oh, my friends, those are incredible words of surrender. She assumes the position of surrender. She's basically saying, God, I trust you. Have your way. I know in life, and I've lived long enough, that if I want to be successful, if I want to fulfill God's plan for me in his kingdom, I must surrender to him. And when we pray, you know, when you pray and when I pray, friend, it's okay to bring our petitions to God, to bring our requests to God, to let God know the things that are challenging us, and to let him be, that God would be aware of the things that are dear to our heart. Yes, my friend, it's good when we pray to come and glorify God. But before you say amen, before you whisper your final words, wouldn't it be wonderful that if every single one of us every day said those words of surrender, Lord, here am I. You see, that's total trust. 
What you're saying is, God, not my will, but thy will be done. What you're saying is, God, would you have your way because you're my master, you're my savior, you're my king, and God, you know what is best for me. I trust you, God, because all these years I've served you, you have a proven track record. You know, when my boys were, were young and growing up, when they were very young at Christmas time, there used to always be a list of the, the things that they wanted. Oh, it was long list. Come on, parent, can I get an amen? But the older they got, I noticed that the list got smaller. <laughs> By the way, the presents got more expensive. But often they would say this, and hey, just get one or two things, but, but we trust you because mom, dad, we know you give good gifts. You have a proven track record. We know that you always come through, so, so we don't have to tell you everything we need because you know what is best for us. My friend, may this Christmas time remind you that your master, your Lord, your Savior, your King, he knows what is best for you. And can you trust him enough to surrender to his will and to surrender to his way. One of the things that I often do on a Sunday morning in, in churches is during times perhaps of praise and worship, I'll, I'll maybe say to our, our lovely folks, our congregation, hey, if, if you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands towards heaven right now? I love as I look over the congregation and see all over the place, hands raised. You see, hands raised is a universal sign of surrender. And I know that in that moment, in those beautiful moments, people are saying, Lord, here am I. I surrender to your will and to your way. I noticed something else incredible from this story. Secondly, that Mary celebrates what God is doing in the life of someone else. Gabriel comes and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. Once again, she says, how can this be? And then Gabriel introduces her cousin Elizabeth into the narrative. By the way, Gabriel says to, to Mary, your cousin Elizabeth, who is barren, who was barren as, and is old, but she's now pregnant because with God, nothing is impossible. You see, when you look at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, I believe that the blessing of the child, the son they had, John the Baptist, yes, it was an answer to the prayer. The scripture tells us that. But I also believe that it was in part to encourage Mary and help Mary understand that just as God worked on Zachariah and Elizabeth's behalf, God was going to work on her behalf. I've recognized and I can testify to the fact that the, the blessing and the favor and the, the goodness of God on, on my life and on others' life, you know, it's not just for me. It's to be an encouragement to others. You see, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. And I've discovered this, that when I look at others being blessed, I'm excited for them, but I'm excited for me. Because if God blesses them, God can bless me. The favor, the goodness, the way God opens doors, the way God makes things happen is a reminder as we look at others, at their life and their testimony, that God who blesses others will bless us. And, and here's when you know that you're part of the kingdom of God. And, and especially over this, this season that our hearts should be tender, 
Can we celebrate when other people are blessed? The Bible says that we rejoice with those that rejoice and we, and we weep with those that weep. Mary, uh, sorry, Elizabeth, she's been hiding, the Bible says, for, for five months. You read that in the early part of Luke chapter 1. Her prayer has been answered. She's been favored by God. But, but think of this. Elizabeth has been in seclusion for five months. She's pregnant. She's blessed of God. And yet no one knows it yet. There is no evidence of the miracle. But God says that the angel says to, to Mary, go and see your cousin. She's six months pregnant now. Why is it time stamped six months? Why does Gabriel take the time in this incredible narrative to let us know that Elizabeth is now six months pregnant? Well, I'll tell you why. Because in month one, if Elizabeth had said she would, was pregnant, there would have been no evidence of it. If we'd gone alongside her, if we'd been in her company, there would be, have been nothing in the natural eye to indicate to us that she was pregnant. <laughs> but I've discovered something. By the time ladies get to six months, they can't hide it. They, even don't, they don't even have to tell us. All they have to do is walk in the room, and in the walking of the room, in the room, and in us seeing them, there is evidence of the pregnancy. The angel says to Mary, Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. You're going to have a child, and your cousin Elizabeth is already proof of the miracle of what God can do. And I see something remarkable there. Gabriel never told Mary to go and visit Elizabeth. Mary goes of her own accord. She goes to see her pregnant cousin, and she celebrates with her. I'll tell you, you'll know when you're part of the kingdom of God, when you can celebrate with others when they are being blessed. When you trust God enough to celebrate what God is doing in their life, when you trust God enough to render to his plan, and one last thing that I'll show, there are many things I see here in Scripture, but one last, number three, Mary expresses her praise to God. She Elizabeth is pregnant, and she begins to lift up her voice and praise God and what is known to us as the Magnificat. It's a, a Latin word for praise. It's based on the initial words that Mary expresses, my soul magnifies the Lord. She sees Elizabeth, she remembers what the angel has said to her, and she bursts into this impromptu praise. <laughs> I love that. You know, there are several times through Scripture that we see this happen. When Miriam and, and Moses, when they crossed the Red Sea, they burst into song. When Deborah in Judges chapter 5, when she had de defeated Caesarea. Hannah in 1, chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2, when she's holding the baby Samuel. And here Mary in Luke chapter 1, when she sees Elizabeth, she bursts into praise. 
You know there's something incredible, unique. If you, if you do some study, you will see that scholars say that in the Magnificat there are multiple references and quotations from other scriptures. That helps me understand that Mary's praise was rooted in the word of God. But something else I see there. It was when Miriam and Moses had come through the Red Sea that they began to praise. It was after Deborah had won the battle and defeated the enemy that she burst into praise. And it was after the birth of Samuel when Hannah is holding that baby in her arms that she begins to praise God. But notice something about Mary. Oh, this is when you know you have expectation. When you trust the king because you belong to his kingdom. Notice, Mary begins to praise God before there are any signs of pregnancy in her life. Before she gives birth, before God does what he's going to do, when God has already declared it through the angel, Mary doesn't wait until the evidence. Mary begins to praise and rejoice and glorify God for what he's about to do. My friend, in the kingdom of God, our Savior is still working in our behalf to fulfill His will and His promise through our lives. But you'll know if you have expectation, if you recognize that the King who has a kingdom that you belong to, here's some of our values. If like Mary, you can surrender to His will. If like Mary, You'll celebrate what God is doing in the life of others. And like Mary, this Christmas season, as we give glory to our Savior King, can you praise the Lord before you see any evidence of His promise? He's your Savior King. <laughs> He's my Savior King. And maybe in these moments, you're honest enough to admit that you do not know him. You do not declare him as your Lord, as your master. Your life is not surrendered to him. You're not putting your trust in him. And you're not walking according to his ways. But even as I've been talking this morning, there's something that's resonated in your heart. And you'd say to me, Neil, I want this King Jesus this baby that was sent to a manger, lived his sinless life, and then died on a cross for the sins of mankind. I want him to be my Savior King. And in these moments, if, if you feel that in your heart, or, or you know that your life is not right before God, and you would be honest enough to say to me, in these moments, Neil, I want to surrender my life to him. Would you just pray with me right now? Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, but you are my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of the wrong that I have done. Make me part of the family of God and help me to live my life committed to you, your will, and your way because I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, Pastor Daniel's going to come in a moment 
And he's going to tell you what to do next, how you can connect with us. But I want to encourage you over this beautiful season, this special time, I want to encourage you. Can we recognize that Jesus Christ truly is our Savior King? 